You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Let Asha, your legal shield associate, connect you to a legal insurance plan that's right for you. Quality attorneys that established law firms for about $20 a month. Those prices are insane. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. This is Paul Coliani, personal empowerment coach and your host. This is the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. Everything I talk about on this show should not be mistaken for actual medical advice or treatment and is intended to be for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. What you'll find here is an increase in your emotional intelligence, a strengthening of your self-worth and self-esteem, the motivation to be your authentic self, and the forward momentum to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right, the first topic I want to talk about is uh, something that came up during my interview on a radio show recently called The Science of Magic. And it was um, just recorded just a few days ago with a host named Gwilda Wayaka. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And uh, we talked about all kinds of things, but mostly uh, desires and following your dreams and how sometimes you follow your dreams and and they don't come true. Sometimes you sabotage yourself along the way and suddenly you realize that your desires can't come to fruition. Then what? And why? Why didn't they come to fruition? We get into that. If you're in the uh, TOB patron program, you've already heard this interview. Or if you haven't, go ahead and play that. It's at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com for patron members. But I'm going to talk about uh, one of the things that came up, which is uh, making decisions out of fear instead of what is in alignment uh, with your highest interest for yourself. My girlfriend um, and I were talking about this this morning, actually where she has learned to make decisions not based in fear, but based in alignment with her higher self. Now, she uses those terms, higher self. I use the term, what is your highest interest for yourself? But both are interchangeable for some people. And some people will say, well, how about um, it's in alignment with my future self? Or how about it's in alignment with what my subconscious really wants for me because that's really the most uh, intelligent part of me. I mean, you could look at this a number of ways. What does God want for me? What do my angels, what do any belief that you have, like I say a lot, whatever works for you, you go with it. But I do believe if we were to zoom out and look at this in a bigger picture, in the sense that if you make decisions based on fear, And this is what Gwilda and I were talking about the other day. Uh, She says that, are you making decisions based on old unresolved memories or what we could call trauma or uh, unresolved issues, uh, what I might call an open loop, something that hasn't been closed in your life yet, some sort of fear or anger or shame or guilt or sadness or other negative feeling that you have inside of you. When you make decisions, are you basing those decisions, or should I say, is the foundation for those decisions based on that negativity, that underlayer that you may have inside of you? Because if they are, your life doesn't work out very well, at least from what I've seen and from what my girlfriend said this morning. She's like, every time I've made a decision based on fear, my life went into turmoil. 
every time I've made a decision based on what's in alignment with my highest self, my life turned out good, or at least that decision turned out to be the right decision. And I look at my own life and go, okay, and what I teach on the show is the same thing, is I make decisions based on what's right for me in the moment, not what the consequences will be uh, causing me fear. So I'm kind of um, what you might look at as uh, something called future pacing. I'm not looking ahead in my mind thinking about the consequences of my decision because the consequences could bring fear. I am going, what's right for me in the moment? Because now is all that matters. I know that's not entirely true, (laughs) but bear with me for a moment. The decision that you make is based on what you know now. Because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you may have some idea and you may have some sort of commitment from someone else that uh, you know something will happen tomorrow or next year, or at least you believe it will happen. So you base your decision based on what you believe to be true. Uh, And when that belief matches uh, what's happening today, for example, you're with someone and they say, I want to marry you. I am committed to you. And you look at today in the past six months and you can see that's how it's been. That commitment's been there. Someone who is uh, committed to you and you already feel like you're married to them. Then you can probably make your decision based on what has happened, the trend, and what you believe will happen. It all lines up. So I like to make decisions based on the lineup of the past, the present, and the future. The future is not set. It's just an assumption, an educated guess, um, sometimes hope, sometimes faith. So you look toward the future and go, well, things have been going in that direction. There's no reason why they won't continue going in that direction. This also works in the opposite. Things have been pretty crappy up until now, (laughs) but the promise is it'll be better. That's when things don't line up. When I say, is it in alignment with the highest intention for yourself, I can include that uh, judgment, that assessment. I'm going to assess that what has happened in the past uh, has been a, a trend that is defining what's going to happen in the future, or I should say outlining what's going to happen in the future. All right, so far the trend has been good, good, good. Today, it's still good. Now I can assume that tomorrow and next year will be good. So great, there's my decision. If it's been bad, 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 good, bad, 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 good, and then bad, 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 oh, today's good. Now you have something to compare it to. Now if you have uh, beliefs beyond the uh, practical realm of your brain, For example, my girlfriend's like, uh, what is in alignment with my higher self? And, you know, that could have multiple definitions. Then you look to that. You get a feeling. You get intuition. You can even ask yourself, hey, higher self, what's the best decision for me? And you usually get an answer. Now, if the answer has a lot of fear in it, I mean, there's a difference between Uh, being insecure about your decision and just basing that decision on fear. You can be insecure about a decision that's exciting and could change your life in a big way, uh, but it still turns out well. And when you check in with yourself and you go, wow, that's a scary decision, yet I know it's the right one, then you can choose to move forward in that direction. But if you check in with yourself, wow, that's a scary decision, and I'm making it because I'm afraid if I don't make it, that this other thing will happen. It's sort of like when you're in an abusive relationship. You're being abused. You're being abused. Sometimes you have good days. Sometimes you're having bad days. And you're considering leaving the relationship. But you have fear because if I leave the relationship, then he or she might find me and abuse me some more. He or she might reach out to my friends. He or she might cause a lot of trouble for me. So it's better just to stay. Is that decision empowering for you or is it based on fear? And I think that's important. I'm not telling you which direction to go. I think that it's important that you make the choice that's right for you 
because I will say that every now and then, some decisions based on fear are also the right decisions. <laughs> so there is some uh, gray area here. But you can usually ask yourself a question that kind of uh, resolves it all. And that is this. Is this right for me? Is this the right direction for me? Is this the right thing to do? And you should come up with an answer. If you don't, that's okay too. But you usually come up with an answer. Um, another good one is, if I was completely fearless, what decision would I make then? I think that's a good one because then you try on courage. You try on bravery. You try on unstoppable, invincible, and then you move forward. For me, that's what I like to try on. That's what I like to do inside my mind and go, if I was unstoppable, what would I do then? <laughs> if there were no consequences, what decision would I make then? And like I was saying, as soon as you future pace yourself and think, if I make this decision and this consequence happens, now what? Now you're basing it on fear. I mean, as far as thinking of a bad consequence. If you jump into, if a bad consequence happens, will my decision change? As soon as you jump into that mode, now you're making decisions based on the fear of the consequences, not what's right for you in the moment and what's in your highest intention. I mean, what is your highest intention for yourself? Here's a good question for you right there. Some people have kind of a toxic life and they may believe their highest intention is to hurt themselves or sabotage their own path. Let me tell you this. If you believe your highest intention is to do something for yourself that's against yourself, then you're not quite in your highest intention. You're in the fear that precedes the highest intention, or you're, you're somewhere in there. But the highest intention for almost every living creature is to want to be here, is to want to exist. Yes, I'm making a sweeping generalization, <laughs> sweeping assumption, but of all the sweeping assumptions that you can choose to believe, why not believe that? Why not believe that your highest intention is to exist, is to be here, is to actually want to be here and enjoy what you have while you're here? Again, it's a sweeping generalization. There are all kinds of beliefs on the meaning of existence, the meaning of life. But why not make the meaning of your existence, the meaning of life, something that you want? Instead of something that you fear or don't want or are repelled by or, or you have thoughts like life is so hard, it's such a struggle, why bother? I'm not against those thoughts. I think you should be allowed to have every thought that comes to mind. But also include in there that there's a higher intention for you that's leading you down a path if you choose to take that path. A good example is this. Um, I've told this story a couple times where when I was married, my wife and I were broke. We were going to the soup kitchen every day and I finally got a job. And the money started coming in, very little bit, very little bit of money. It wasn't a good paying job, but it was better than zero. <laughs> and uh, we started, you know, saving a little bit. Three to four weeks into the job, boy, I felt burnt out already. I felt imprisoned in the very thing that was uh, bringing us money. I almost said keeping us fed, but that's not true at all because we were still fed when we were completely broke. But the very thing that I put all my time and energy and effort into was the very thing that was wearing me down. And it was just taking its toll on me. And I felt so stifled. I couldn't be myself. I couldn't be creative. I couldn't even give my input. I just felt like I was forced to be there. I couldn't even enjoy the job anymore. They changed my position on me. And uh, it was just going nowhere. But I believe that I had to do it. Like, there was no other purpose in life but to be here. And if I left here, then we'd be broke. And being broke isn't part of the meaning of life. I mean, think about that. If you have a belief that being broke 
isn't part of the meaning of life, then you're going to do everything you can to not be broke. Well, that's what I did. And then I felt so stifled and I couldn't express myself and like a prisoner, uh, then I came to the conclusion that I needed to quit, even if I was broke. And suddenly, not that being broke was the meaning of life for me, but it was part of a higher intention for me. If I were to look at this spiritually, my higher intention, my higher self said, you can make money and stay unhappy if you want, or you can quit and be yourself again. My, quote, higher self didn't say those words, but that is how I felt. I felt like I could stay, make money, and exist, or I could quit and start being myself again. Because I couldn't be myself. I was stifled. It was compromising my integrity. It was compromising who I wanted to be. So I did. I quit. And we went back to the soup kitchen, and we got into the welfare system, and but I didn't stay there. I eventually got another job that I actually did enjoy and everything worked out. But my point is, sometimes we paint a picture of the meaning of life and then we believe that part of that picture is you got to have money. You got to have someone in your life. You got to have this. You got to have a car. You got to, I mean, all these got to haves. You got to have a big screen TV to keep up with the Joneses. You got to have all this stuff. And as you go through the healing and learning process of what it takes to really become yourself, you find that a lot of the stuff that we believe we have to have doesn't necessarily have to play a role in order for us to be happy. This is a tricky one. <laughs> this is a scary one to skate on the edge with because that means that hey, I'm unhappy at my job, I'm going to quit. Oh, great, I can't find another job, I'm losing my house, I can't feed my kids, uh, you know, what else? I, I don't have any family to rely on. I mean, there are necessities in life that if you don't have them, you won't be able to fulfill some of your obligations, some of your responsibilities. Therefore, you do make decisions that you may not want to make and do things that you may not want to do just to make sure that everything is in some sort of balance. Now, does that mean you have to work 120 hours a week to keep your mortgage and your car payments and keep your kids fed? And No, I think you can make some sacrifices then. You may have to sell your house. You may have to sell your cars. Or you may have to downgrade. Because I don't think anyone really should work 120 hours a week. 40 is enough. <laughs> if we can work less, that would be great. But, uh, I mean, that depends on where you live and what you do. So, like I said, 40 is enough, in my opinion. But the idea is to consider what your higher self or what's in your highest interest so that you make decisions that are good for you, that are healthy for you, that give you some level of satisfaction. My girlfriend has made decisions in her life that said, I must continue working. I must continue to stay busy. I must do this because if I don't, then I will be a failure. I will not have money. I will not be able to succeed at life. And she's realizing that these decisions, even though they can help you, they can help you make money, they can help you succeed. Hey, you're a hard worker, you have good ethics and you show up every day, and you show up early every day, and you do all you can all the time, yes, they will help you to succeed, but where's the balance? They may not help you to be satisfied in life. They may not help bring you peace and comfort and uh, any sort of happiness in life because you've made decisions in your life based on fear, fear of what you may lose. So it's important that you just keep this in mind as you go through life, as the important decisions come up for you that am I making this decision based on fear? Or as Gwilda said, are you making a decision based on all your old past uh, trauma, all your old bad memories of what it's like when you make that kind of decision? Or in my words, are you making the decision regardless of the consequences and you're doing it because it's the right thing to do for you? That's hard. That's a big leap of faith sometimes. Because you don't know what you don't know. 
You don't know what you're stepping into when you make a decision. When I face my stepfather and I defy him for the first time, I didn't know what I was stepping into, but I made the decision. And in my life, uh, it has worked out every single time. And everything that I was afraid that might happen never did. That doesn't mean it won't, but I've come to a place of what would happen if I were invincible. And then I get to try on new resources, new thoughts, new ideas in my head. Because I wouldn't have had those thoughts before because I had a fear-based mentality. So these are just some of the ramblings I have (laughs) for this first segment. Uh, I don't know if I wrapped it up so well, but uh, I think you get the idea. It's just a matter of where you are in the moment. And like I said, now is all that matters. Whether that's true or not, try it on. If now was all that mattered, what decision would you make then? It's sort of like um, when I left the house this morning, I was kind of (laughs) grumpy. I was a little grumpy. And I said to myself, what if tomorrow didn't happen? What if this was the last day that we're all here? Would I still be grumpy? And I thought about all the stuff I was grumpy about and go, oh, well, that changes things a bit. And then I went and got my girlfriend a nice gift. (laughs) So I'm going to leave you with that. We're going to go into the next segment called Ask Paul right after this. I want to tell you about getoutofthemess.com. What is it? It is a legal insurance plan, as Asha likes to call it. Asha is a representative for Legal Shield, and if you don't know what that is, let me give you a small example of how this works. If you're in the U.S. or Canada and you have any legal questions or just need legal advice uh, or any of a number of services that they do, you can get that for a low subscription fee. Um, I think we're paying like $24 for the family plan at this time. Uh, so it's pretty darn uh, inexpensive. I mean, let's put it this way. It's not $250 an hour. It's $24 a month. And uh, one example of using this service is I had another podcaster reach out and ask a question uh, about the legality of Uh, doing certain things on his podcast. Like, you know, if you play certain music, is it a a violation of copyright? Or uh, can you quote people? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I I said, you know, that is a good question for a lawyer because you don't want to do the wrong thing. You don't want to put the wrong thing out there and suddenly you're getting sued. And he goes, well, I guess I could pay for an hour of a lawyer's time. And I said, why would you do that? Just go to getoutofthemess.com And you can get uh, a lawyer's time anytime you need it. So as long as you're on the subscription, you can call the service anytime you want. Get a lawyer to call you back that specializes in what you're asking about. I mean, yes, if you have your own lawyer, he or she is going to have their own specialty. And you'll be able to at least get the information you can from them. But you'll be paying their specific fees. What Asha can connect you with is a service that allows you to talk to an entire law firm uh, with multiple specialties. And if they don't know the specialty, they reach out and get someone that knows that specialty and brings that specialist to you. So I highly recommend this service. I use it. Asha uses it. I want you to call Asha at 678-355-8777 or go to getoutofthemess.com and at least learn about how it can work for you. This is a fantastic service. I am happy to promote them, endorse them, and tell the world about them because there's very little reason not to have it, especially if you have something to protect. And I think we all have something to protect. And I think we all don't want to be bullied and pushed into a corner and feel like we have no options. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, Call Asha at 678-355-8777 or go to getoutofthemess.com and see if this service is right for you.
Welcome back. This is Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help them through the challenge that they're going through. And this message is from someone I'm going to call um, Bill. Bill is, I think, a young, maybe college student. Uh, He didn't say exactly how old he was, but that's fine. I'm going to take it as that because of the story uh, that he shared with me. I'm not going to read you his email. Uh, I'm going to give you the highlights because his email is very specific and it has names and talks about uh, a lot of things that will identify him (laughs) and what's going on in his situation. So there's a lot there. So this is my uh, condensed Cliff Notes version of his email. Bill likes his best friend. Let's call her Mary. Mary broke up with her boyfriend a few months back, but she doesn't want to be with Bill. Bill wants to be with Mary, but Mary doesn't want to be with Bill. So they've maintained a good friendship. However, Bill has carried his feelings for Mary into their friendship and is doing his best to hold back. However, Bill shared with me that they did sleep together once, but Mary has still kept her distance as far as an intimate relationship. Bill says he would like to do that again. (laughs) He would like to be intimate with Mary again. He would like a relationship with her. However, Mary said, you know, if my ex-boyfriend called and apologized and wanted me back, I would probably go back to him. Bill has feelings for Mary and wants more, but Mary doesn't. Bill says that he doesn't necessarily have a question. He just wants to know if I detect any unhealthy patterns in himself so that he doesn't mess everything up. And uh, I will give you a, a few quotes from his message, which are these. I've been struggling for a while with feelings of intense emotional and romantic attachment to someone who seems unable to return it. I'm going to comment on these in a minute. Uh, He also says, I tried and failed to compartmentalize my romantic feelings while maintaining our friendship. And the third one is, I get her struggle, meaning her her feelings for her ex-boyfriend and wanting him back and going through the emotional upset that she's going through. And he goes on to say, And her happiness is perhaps more important to me than my happiness is. Okay, Bill, thanks for writing that. I'm sorry I condensed your message. I didn't want to give away the details or who you were to the world, (laughs) just in case your friends listen to this show. So let's talk about a relationship with someone that uh, you have feelings for, but they they don't have feelings back. Now, I've been in this situation. I had a girlfriend uh, sometime in the 90s where I think when I moved to Florida, we dated for like a year, year and a half, and um, she broke up with me. And after that, she wanted to be friends. And me, who really wants a relationship or wants nothing to do with the person at all, (laughs) decides to uh, stay friends with her. And I tell you what, that was the most difficult friendship I've ever had because I had feelings for her, because I wanted her back in my life, because I wanted to be closer to her. And she was always there in front of me at arm's length, but I couldn't pull her in. And I did everything I possibly could to resist. But here's the thing, and I bet you can relate to this, Bill is when you're together, you always want more. And you hope for more. And your thoughts and feelings are always going in the direction of, I wonder if she likes me more today. I wonder if she'll finally give in and get close to me. When will it happen? Now this feeling, it's like uh, when you... You know how you tip back in a chair and you're balancing on two legs? I don't know if you've ever done this, but I used to do it all the time. <laughs> and uh, right before you fall over, you catch yourself. Hopefully it doesn't go that far, but uh, you get at that balance point and you go, whoa, and you almost fall. Well, that's the feeling you carry with you into the friendship. <laughs> There's a good analogy for you. It's that feeling of it could happen, but it may not happen. It could happen, but I'm right on the edge. I'm right in the I'm right in the center. I'm right in the balance point. But you're not balanced at all. You're teetering on the edge of falling. And 
that's not a very good feeling. Unless you're masochistic. <laughs> that could be your thing. I don't know. But uh, most people don't really like to carry around that on-the-edge feeling. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Uh, am I going to fall? I don't know. Am I going to tip over? When you carry that into the relationship, you can't really have an authentic friendship because there's an underlying desire and there's also an agenda. I'm going to hang out until she likes me. I'm going to hang out until she falls for me. I'm going to keep showing her uh, that I'm going to be the best guy for her in every possible way. And that agenda drives your decisions, drives your behavior until you either get what you want or she gives you a definitive no. <laughs> Drop it. This is never going to happen. But here's the problem. And those of you who are in this type of friendship where one of you has feelings and the other doesn't, let me talk to the person that doesn't have the feelings. Because the person that doesn't have the feelings, that wants to keep the friendship and knows the other person does have feelings, you are on very dangerous ground. Because if someone has feelings for you and there's any clue that you might have feelings back or that you want to be friends even though there are feelings, meaning you want to keep the friendship regardless of what feelings the other person has for you, let me give you a big warning. It never ends well. Now, sometimes it does end well, but you're better off believing and knowing that it never ends well because the other person or both of you usually gets hurt and the other person almost always has an agenda. Whenever there's feelings involved, there is an agenda involved. Again, that's not 100% of all people all the time. I'm sure there are some people out there that are able to go, wow, I have feelings for this person. And if it grew into something more, that would be great. But I realize that it's off limits right now and I'm okay with that. And I'm okay if they get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. If, if you can be that stable, I mean, there's a good question for you. If, if she gets another boyfriend, are you still her friend? And will you be okay with it? Or will there, will there be hurt feelings? Because I think that is the, the gauge. If you can be okay with her dating other people and being with them, and you go, oh, okay, I'm very happy for her. Like you said, her happiness is more important to you than your happiness, which I'm going to address in a moment. <laughs> if you can be happy for her and support her on that path, then great. Maybe you do have a healthy friendship and it is a healthy pattern. And if you're hanging around and she does fall for you and you do get into an intimate relationship and that's good too, then it can work. I mean, those things can work. But if you have any ill feeling inside of you, if she talks about dating someone else, if she talks about her ex, then I'm going to say that, yes, you have an unhealthy pattern going on inside of you and that you also have an agenda. This isn't a true friendship that is based on supporting each other's path. This is an agenda that you want her to eventually see you for the great guy you are. Those may or may not be your thoughts or your words, but that's kind of what I see in something like this, is that when one person has feelings and the other person doesn't, the person with the feelings has to realize that it's not going to happen because you have to look at what's happening today. What's happening today is it's not happening. <laughs> what's happening today is that you're not intimate. Tomorrow, I guess you could be. Next year, you could be. But if that uh, teetering on the two legs of the chair feeling is what you have every time you're with them, then you're not going to enjoy yourself. You're not going to enjoy your time together. Your behavior around her is based on that agenda. And there also might be some slight manipulation in there too. Like one thing you said in your letter was something like, I often think of my life as a novel. And part of the novel, I would say, that she hates her ex-boyfriend and she never wants him back. And if you wrote that novel, that's how it would go. But thinking about it that way, that may very well be based on how you feel about her 
and how you want her to feel about you and not really supporting her path, her decisions, and her ability to say yes or no to someone that she she dated before. Because if she starts talking about her ex-boyfriend and he calls and they're talking, you might be compelled to say things that turn her against him. And it may be subconscious. <laughs> or it may be very conscious. You may say things that will make her think, this guy's a jerk. Instead of allowing her to be self-empowered and think it for herself, you might plant those seeds in her mind. So yes, when you ask if there's an unhealthy pattern in your decisions and your behavior, then I would say yes. If everything I just described is happening to you, then yes, that's unhealthy. And I'm not saying that her ex-boyfriend might not be bad for her. You might be right. He might be a bad guy and he's, he's not going to make her happy. But it's not your place to make her think that stuff. In fact, it's best just to step back and let her see everything for herself. Even you. Let her see you for, for your real self. Yes, you can still have feelings about her ex and hope he never shows up again. That's true to you. But don't let it uh, manipulate her or influence her in any way. Because even if you were able to convince her that her ex was a jerk, eventually it's because it's not self-empowered, it doesn't really stick. I mean, it can, but it's rare that when somebody tries to convince you of something else and you're not fully on board, you'll eventually go back to what you thought in the first place. And uh, if she thinks that you convinced her that her ex was a jerk, she might even be more motivated to go to her ex. It's a complex psychological web that can be formed because of everything I just said. So there's that. Let me talk about what I quoted from your letter, which is the first one. I've been struggling for a while with feelings of intense emotional and romantic attachment to someone who seems unable to return it. That right there is a clear indication that you need to turn off your intimate feelings toward her, which is probably impossible, right? <laughs> Just turn it off, turn off your emotions, and don't love her anymore. Don't have feelings for her anymore. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I've never been able to do that. I've actually had to remove myself from situations to stop feeling those feelings. Because if I'm with someone that I have feelings for, and I continue to be with them, my feelings never go away. Unless they give me a cold, hard no. Unless they make it clear that they want nothing to do with an intimate relationship with me. But the problem is, a lot of people don't make that clear. A lot of people in these kind of friendships, I don't know if they want the attention or they don't understand the gravity of the situation they're in. But if there's a friendship where one person has the feelings and the other one doesn't, the one without the feelings needs to be very very clear, very clear, because if it's not clear, then there's a chance. <laughs> Have you ever seen Dumb and Dumber, where the one part where Jim Carrey's character is um, looking at this, you know, pretty wealthy woman, and he's like, is there a chance for us? And she's like, uh, no, he's like, no chance at all. And she goes, well, there's a one in a million chance. And he goes, yes, you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> and that's how it works. That's the perfect example of when you have feelings for someone and the other person isn't absolutely clear that they don't want an intimate relationship, then that one in a million chance is enough to hold on to hope, to hold on to the possibility of a relationship and help keep you where you are. So I'm talking to the people without the feelings toward the other person. If you don't make it clear, then you are essentially leading them on. I know it may not be your intention, but if you have a friend that has feelings for you and you keep doing things with them and hanging out with them, you're leading them on, even though you're not leading them on. I hope this makes sense and I hope I make this clear because I've been on the side where I had feelings for someone and they never said, no, it'll never happen, ever drop it. <laughs> I needed them to say that to me. And uh, they didn't. So I always felt like, okay, well, if I just act a little differently, if I just do this, and I had that 
on-the-edge feeling inside of me. And it was uncomfortable. And I kept showing up because I thought, okay, this will turn into something. So I'm, I'm here to say right now, if you're the person without the feelings in a relationship like this, make it clear. Make it very clear. Because a hopeless romantic, like I used to be, is not going to see it the way you are until they have a brick wall in front of them that says, absolutely not, never, ever. Let me get to the next quote, which is, I tried and failed to compartmentalize my romantic feelings while maintaining our friendship. That right there tells you that you are unable to maintain a platonic, healthy friendship because you can't compartmentalize your romantic feelings. Like I said, just turn them off. You're in love, just turn off those feelings and turn off the love. It's almost impossible. When you have feelings, unless you repress them, then it's going to feel even weirder and it's going to hurt harder and more and you're going to feel more pressure inside of you. You won't be able to do it. And you just admitted that you can't do it. So it's not a healthy path for you to hang out with someone that you have feelings for and you're always hoping that something more will happen. I'm not saying that you have to stop hanging out. I'm kind of going along with you and telling you that these are unhealthy patterns. And let me tell you what, that feeling inside of you will never go away. Again, that's a big assumption that I, and it does happen. It does eventually go away. But if she ends up staying single or not dating, or even if she does date but never gets into a relationship, you'll always have that well, it could still happen feeling. It's just uncomfortable to carry around. I don't like carrying that feeling around. I like to know up front, is there a chance or not? And it's so important for her to be clear, like I said. And you also have to look at the uh, pattern up to now. If it's been months and months, and she's always like, yeah, there's a chance, but uh, I'm, I'm still playing the field. I'm still thinking about it then expect that pattern to continue because there might be, I hate to say this, some purposeful leading on. Like she likes the extra attention that you're giving her. She likes the idea that you are there for her, uh, but you can't get what you want. But she gets what she wants because she's being showered with your affection, but she doesn't have to get into a relationship to get that affection. That can be a very dysfunctional place. Uh, if you're happy with that and she's happy with that, I won't knock it, but I couldn't do it. It would just be too painful to me. Now, the third thing that you said is, I get her struggle and her happiness is perhaps more important to me than my happiness is. Now, this might be the most unhealthy pattern in everything that you're talking about because what you're saying is that um, I will sacrifice my own happiness to see that she's happy. I think that is unhealthy. I think it's toxic. What you're doing there is along the same lines as someone who says, I'll change for you. I'll change. Just tell me what you want me to do. I'll change for you. And by doing that, it puts a lot of pressure on the other person. And your happiness is highly reliant on her to be happy. And when you do that, you set yourself up for unhappiness and disappointment over and over again. That doesn't mean you shouldn't still support her path to happiness. I absolutely want you to want her to be happy. But you also have to have it in yourself. You also have to support your own happiness in you. So I don't want you to make someone else's happiness more important than yours. Because that's when you become stagnant and in a rut and in desperation and in hope and waiting and waiting until you either finally get what you want or you get the biggest disappointment in your life. Your focus on someone else instead of yourself keeps you in this on-the-edge feeling. Because if you turned inward and said, wait, what do I need to do for me to be happy? Then you'll improve yourself, you'll improve your situation, you'll feel better, and, and this is probably the most important part, other people will see that you are taking care of yourself and not trying to be a people pleaser, not trying to cater to them to receive happiness from outside of you, because that is pressure. That is 
That is you relying on the world to make you happy instead of you relying on yourself to make you happy, to do things for yourself. I mean, that's the first thing that my girlfriend noticed about me, or one of the first things, is that when I lived in New Hampshire, she lived in Georgia, and um, we were thinking about starting this dating thing. We were friends. We started off as friends. Then there were no intimate romantic feelings toward each other. And um, she brought up the idea, well, if you live down here, we could probably date and see if anything happened. And I was like, wait, date? <laughs> we're just friends. I'm, I'm not into dating. And for the first time, I considered, well, what would it be like to date this person that I talk to almost every day and get along with great? Uh, I don't know. And so I thought about it. And then we talked again. And I said, you know, I'm not going to move. I like New Hampshire. I'm going to stay here. And I, th I think that we probably would get along great. But I'm pretty happy where I am. And I'm going to see where this goes. Because I was focused on what I wanted for me. What do I want for me? It's a good question for yourself. What do I want for me? And I knew by saying that, that our relationship would never blossom. I mean, I, I just knew it. I didn't really know it, but I just assumed that our relationship would never blossom, that we would just have to stay friends because I wasn't moving and she couldn't move because she was tied. She had a kid and an ex and sharing custody and things like that. But later on, like, a, I don't know, maybe two or three days later, uh, we talked again and I said, you know, I think I'd be okay moving down to Georgia for a while. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I said, you know, I thought about it and I could always just move back. She goes, really? Are, are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, I've, I've got no ties. I can move anywhere I want. And she's like, oh. And so we started talking in that direction again. But, you know, later on after we get together, I won't go through the whole story. About, I don't know, a few months later, she goes, you know, when you said that you wouldn't move down, I actually found that an attractive quality. And I was like, what are you talking about? I just told you that I wasn't going to move down and we weren't going to have a relationship. <laughs> I didn't use those words, but that was pretty much the end result. And she goes, I found that attractive because you were doing it for you, not for me. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about it that way. I just knew I wanted what I wanted for my life. And uh, I decided to go in that direction. She goes, I find that very attractive. That shows that you're not trying to change your life for me, to impress me, to manipulate me, to influence me. And when she said that, I felt pretty good that I made that decision. Uh, even though a few days later, I changed my mind. I said, hey, you know, let's try this out. She goes, it's all right that you changed your mind because you gave me what you wanted first. You said, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do. And that made her feel really good that she didn't have some desperate guy that was trying to manipulate her, to impress her, to follow her around like a puppy and uh, like the person I used to be. I mean, this is exactly who I used to be. I would always go where my girlfriend was. I would always move. I would always uh, uplift my life and follow them because I always followed my heart. But when I decided I need to follow my own heart for my, myself, instead of following someone else and, and denying what I want for myself. Because I really wanted to stay in New Hampshire. After I made that decision to stay and I thought about it for a few days, it kind of re relieved me of the idea that I had to do one thing or another. It just gave me the, the clarity I needed to know that I could make decisions for myself. It's like I came to that place of, wow, I'm sacrificing what could be a good relationship here for me, for something that I want for me. I've never done that before. And I tell you what, if you've never done that before, that's a, an interesting, empowering feeling <laughs> to do something for you instead of for someone else for a particular reason. You can still do things for other people, and I highly recommend it, but not at the sacrifice of your own happiness. And that's what I'm telling you, Bill, is that when you make someone else's happiness more important than yours, you sacrifice a part of yourself you go into an emotional deficit of some sort and then you feel like there's a part of you that's missing and you put them under pressure to always be there to provide the happiness that you require. And that means when you break up, your happiness goes along with the breakup. And you don't want that. You don't want to set yourself up for disappointment like that. She represents my happiness and when she's not there and we break up, I'm no longer happy. 
that's where it all ends up is like if you put all your happiness on someone else and you're not happy in yourself, then you lose that happiness when they're not in your life. And that's tough. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't get unhappy ever. It just means if all your happiness comes from outside of you, then who are you when they're not there? And believe me, if you work on yourself and work on your own internal happiness before you ever date anyone, that is an attractive quality. Just like my girlfriend looked at me when I lived in New Hampshire and said, wow, this guy really knows what he wants and he's going for what he wants. I like that in a guy. I think a lot of people like looking at someone following their own path. I think that is an attractive quality. When you look at someone and go, wow, they're following their own path. They're doing what they want for themselves. They're not doing it for anyone but themselves. And they've, they're making their way in the world. They're doing whatever they can to create happiness in their life. And then when you get together, hey, they're sharing their happiness with me instead of relying on me for their happiness. I hope I explained all the, the nuances of that because I think that's the most important part that uh, I get from your letter. I hope this helps, Bill. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you for sharing this. Uh, send me an update sometime. Tell me where you are, what's going on. And uh, thanks for listening to another show. We'll be right back, close the show, give you my final words after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank those of you who've left a review for The Overwhelmed Brain book. You can find The Overwhelmed Brain book in Amazon. If you like what I talk about on the show, you're going to love the book. You can take the path to self-empowerment with you. Look for The Overwhelmed Brain, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers book in Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other places today. And I want to thank you if you're supporting the program by going to the patron site at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. You're helping the show and you're getting private episodes and worksheets, email coaching, and all kinds of things over there. So if you're getting value from this show, it's changing your life. Go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and show your support today. And I want to thank Asha with Get Out of the Mess. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, go to getoutofthemess.com or call her at 678-355-8777 to find out if a legal insurance plan is right for you. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And I'm going to read you an email that I received that's uh, complimentary to the show. Not um, in addition to the show, but it gives the show a compliment. And it gives, I think, me a compliment too, I think. <laughs> Let me read it here. It says, Hi Paul, I'm really just wanting to say a, a simple thank you, but I am verbose. <laughs> I started listening to your podcast and it's become part of my medicine cabinet. I've been going through an intensive healing journey for a few years, and I'm in the process of setting up my own coaching business. In this process, I'm learning the insane demands for the whole social media marketing thing. And I bring this up because I've been struggling with alignment on my values and the business. And I figured I'd check out your podcast menu for values-related content. And voila! So helpful and grounding. And this brings me to the thank you. I see almost 200 free podcasts there and my jaw drops as I struggle to create my freebie and a few blog posts just to start. I can only imagine the work involved and really honor your generosity in offering this light to others for no charge. Seeing this sincere offering and experiencing it through the podcasts truly makes an impact. It really has for me and I just had to take a minute to say thank you. Thank you. And uh, I think I'll read her real name, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. That is, uh, I'm honored to receive this email. I'm, I'm grateful that you took the time to share this with me. I mean, how often do we write to someone or tell them how great they're doing? Usually we're writing like a review uh, to tell someone how bad the product was <laughs> or something like that. But uh, Lisa, thank you so much. And, you know, I wish you the best with this coaching business. I read this email uh, for many reasons, because it feels good. <laughs> and uh, also uh, because, you know, I started at day one with a blog and a single article. And I think the article started off as, well, here I am kicking off the overwhelmed brain. 
let's see where this goes. And this was in uh, June or July of 2013. So it is um, May of 2017 now, as of this recording. And um, now I have, like you said, almost 200 episodes. And I have like 50 more in the patron program. I have a video training and I have clients that reach out to me for coaching. And I have all kinds of things going on because I chose to take the first step. Because I chose to set up shop. <laughs> you know, so just put myself out there. And uh, I wanted to address your message for another reason. And that is because ever since day one, I truly believed that in order to be successful, and I'm not just talking monetarily, I'm talking about successful in many areas of life, in order to be fulfilled, in order to achieve a passion for what you do, that, and this is my opinion, I believe in it, this is what I do, that you give as much away as you possibly can. This is not a popular opinion. <laughs> but I decided that I was going to give away everything I knew. I mean, quite frankly, I've paid thousands upon thousands, maybe tens of thousands, I don't know, uh, for training and education uh, regarding coaching and everything I know about uh, behavioral sciences and things like that. And the certifications that I received in you know, coaching and hypnosis and NLP and Everything that led up to me starting to be a teacher of any sort. It's like I invested all this money, all my time, all my energy that I could into learning this stuff, plus all the healing that I chose to do. I mean, some of the hard stuff to get through all the years of dysfunction that led to a point where I wanted to heal. I mean, I wanted to heal for a long time. I just didn't know how to do it, uh, what to do. And then I learned a lot about myself and I learned about how others communicate and I learned what happens when you're a kid and you have all these beliefs and values instilled in you and then you take those beliefs and values into the adult world and you're applying some dysfunction and misperceptions and false beliefs in the adult world and uh, you know so on and so on. So I learned a lot along the way and one of my thoughts was I know enough to help others. And I want to share this knowledge because there are so many people that are unhappy and there are so many people that are depressed and anxious and stressed out. So should I just write up a program and sell it and then only those with the money should, should be able to buy it or should I just give it away and try to make the world a better place? I mean, that sounds very martyrish, <laughs> very noble. Uh, but I didn't do it because I wanted to be noble. I did it because I know people that are unhappy and I don't like it. And if I'm going to live in this world, then I want to be around people that are happier. <laughs> you know, not they don't have to be happy. I would like them to be, but at least happier. So I decided when I created this entity that I call the overwhelmed brain, that I would just give away my knowledge. It doesn't mean I don't sell. I have workbooks. I have my coaching packages. And I have the patron program that keeps the show going and helps me fund other things that I'm doing that uh, are free or for sale. I mean, there's no way to sustain this without money. So money has to be in the picture somewhere. But at the same time, I still choose to do this for free and then somebody might be thinking, yeah, but you have sponsors. It's paying for those episodes. <laughs> the sponsors do help. And as the show gets even bigger than it is now, the sponsors will help even more, which allows me to grow this show even more and give it away for free to more people. Is it all about I must give everything away for free? No. But it starts off as me wanting to share what I know, what I've learned, uh, my healing process in hopes that other people would also benefit from what I went through and from what I've learned. And what's great is that I read a uh, quote once by Z uh, Zig Ziglar, and it is, you can get everything you want in life if you will just help enough other people get what they want. When I read that quote, I was like, 
Yes, <laughs> that's exactly how I feel. That's what I want. I want to help other people. And you help enough people, they want you to succeed because you've helped them. Again, that wasn't my initial thought process. Like, I'm going to help all these people so they help me. I really wanted to share what I knew and what I know with others. So your letter really speaks to me because now here you are starting up your coaching business, starting to do something that you are passionate about, something that you want to put out into the world. And you're becoming overwhelmed. And just, I have 200 episodes behind me and you are just starting off on a blog with a few articles. And I'm going to give you a suggestion. Don't be afraid to share it all. Even if it's in a product you sell. <laughs> you know, I have um, a book, How to Deal with Irrational People. It's an ebook. And I have an episode that pretty much mirrors the book. I made the podcast episode and then I made the book. And guess what? People can get it for free as a podcast and they can get it as an ebook. And that ebook still sells. Not as much as it used to, but it still sells. I even have a blog article that's very similar to the content in the ebook. Yet people still buy the ebook. So I want to tell you don't be afraid to give things away because the more you give away, the more people will benefit. The more people that benefit from your knowledge, the more they're going to like you and <laughs> the more they're going to trust you, the more they're going to want more from you. Again, these aren't the things that I intended to do. These are just the results of doing what I've done. So if you're in any kind of content creation business and you want to share what, what you know with the world, but you're afraid that, you know, if you share too much, then you won't be able to sell it. Um, well, you know, it depends on what it is, but it is possible that somebody will get it all for free and won't have to buy it from you. That is possible. But I'm going to give you a little uh, secret. <laughs> Only those listening to the show will know. Or maybe some other marketing geniuses will go, of course, don't you know, that's how it works. <laughs> there are a few bloggers that I've followed over the years and they give everything they know away for free as well. And I go, wow, I have it all here. They make a lot more money than I do, that's for sure. <laughs> they still make money even though they sell the content they give away for free. Why do they make money? Because they package it in a way that's digestible for people. Because if you go to some of these blog sites, even my blog site, uh, since 2013, I've been writing blog articles. And uh, it's hard to find exactly what you need sometimes because there's so much in there. But if you use the search field, you can find what you need. But these are bits and pieces and they're not put together in a sequential fashion that he teaches you from A to Z. That's why my book sells. My book sells because it teaches you from A to Z how to get from not empowered or not as empowered as you want to be to fully self-empowered, taking the right steps for you, making the right decisions for you. Even though you can hear everything I talk about on this show, people will still buy the book because it's laid out in a way that they can follow. Whereas this show, you have to wait for the right gold nuggets of information at the right time and not everyone has the time. I'd rather get the information in a day or two or less just so I can move on with my life. If you have the time, great. Tune into the podcast. Listen to every single episode. <laughs> Tune into other shows. Go to other websites. Go to YouTube. There's all kinds of resources. But, you know, you're opening a coaching business and I'm going to make the suggestion not to be afraid to give it away. Because if you know something that's helping other people, anything that really fulfills their life in some way, then in my opinion, I think it's okay to share. People are still going to reach out to you because they're going to have specific issues. People still reach out to me. Even though I talk about specific things, they still want to get very focused help in certain areas of their life. And I'm happy to help. So there you go. There's some uh, behind the scenes to this whole business of the overwhelmed brain and uh, some of the things that keep it going. And I wanted to thank you, Lisa, for writing this. And I hope um, what I'm doing inspires you to become even bigger, better, and grander than me. 
<laughs> so there's my wish for you. I wish you the best of success. And what I want you to do for anyone listening is just to keep an open mind because no matter what happens, you can always change course. You can always pivot. You, you start to do something and it doesn't go your way. So you just change course, do something else or do something a little differently. And by doing that, you'll step into your power. And having power, you can be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.